On this week's Adam Schefter Podcast, week four is upon us, and so is a matchup of unbeaten teams in Buffalo, with the Patriots traveling there to play the Buffalo Bills, and we'll be joined by the Bills Pro Bowl safety Micah Hyde, who talks about what it will be like in Buffalo on Sunday, and what are the challenges to shutting down the 42-year-old quarterback, Tom Brady. And with all the issues facing all the teams in the NFL, from Jalen Ramsey to Antonio Brown to Melvin Gordon to Trent Williams to the Miami Dolphins tanking, we bring in the former Dolphins and Jets general manager Mike Tannenbaum to offer perspective on each of these situations. And then we'll have the ESPN analytics guru, Evan Kaplan, join us for a preview with some insightful numbers about the Week 4 matchups. But first, the Bills Pro Bowl safety, Micah Hyde. Mike, I appreciate taking some time, especially in such a busy, important week. <laughs> Thank you for having me, man. Yeah, it's busy, um, but, you know, to us, it's just another preparation week and, um, you know, ready to go out there on Sunday and see what we can do. Wait, you said another preparation week. So there's nothing different about this week, despite the fact that there are two unbeaten teams squaring off in Buffalo on Sunday? Man, it's September. It's another <laughs> opportunity for us to, to go out there and get a win. It's um, yeah, the New England Patriots are coming in. Um, you know, we everybody knows about the Patriots and what they've been able to do the last 20 years. Um, but, uh, you know, to, to us, we, we're trying to get better each and every day. Um, and it's another opportunity for us on Sunday. You bring up the 20 years, the 20-year run of success that they've had. What impresses you most about that? Um, that, you know, Tom Brady has been the, uh, the focal point of that. Um, you know, just what he's been able to do. Yeah, year in and year out, you know, he's uh, especially as he's now, you know, you you could never tell. Um, he's out there, obviously one of the best minds in the game, um, competitors in the game, and you just see him week in, week out, just compete. And that's you know, I, I think as a as a competitor myself, I think that's awesome to see. Um, that's awesome to see a guy that has been doing it for so long um, at his, uh, you know, uh, in the NFL. Um, it's, it's just very impressive. Micah, you're 28 years old. You turn. 29 late December here. Yeah. How does a guy do this until 42 and then some? I, I can't answer that. <laughs> I cannot answer that. You know what, Adam? I'm not going to be playing when I'm 42. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> wait, uh, wait. Uh, can, can, I, can we send it into ESPN on the bottom line ticket right now? Micah, I promises you will not be playing at 42. Yeah, send, send that to him right now because I can guarantee that. <laughs> if I can guarantee anything um, for, the, for my career, I'm not going to guarantee any wins, anything like that, but I'll, I'll guarantee I'm going to be playing until 42 because – you know that's that's impressive. Um, you know, like I said, what what, it, what he's been able to do, the Super Bowl rings, the MVP, you know, all that stuff is uh, is geez, it's, it's amazing. Uh, you know, you just watch every week. There seems to be no drop off. It's incredible to watch. But they'll come in on Sunday, and I don't mean to bring up a sticky subject. You are zero and four against the Patriots since you joined the Bills in Buffalo. Yeah, zero and four. Yeah. So what would a win and possession of first place? I know it's September, Mike. I got it. Yeah. But what would a win yeah. be like on Sunday? Um, anytime you get a win in this league, it's it's a, a great feeling. Um, uh, a division rival, um, that's even better. So it'll be a it'll be an awesome feeling to get a to get another win, you know, push to to four and zero. We're just worried about number four right now. Yeah. So um, yeah, it, it'll it'll be amazing. But like I said, Adam, I'm not I'm not overhyping this game. You know it. You know we we want to win this game. Yes, I'm on force yeah. in, in Buffalo. Um, you know, against the Patriots, but you know, it's just another opportunity for us on Sunday to get better. Well, Mike, give me this: 
Will the atmosphere on Buffalo on Sunday be a little bit extra jazzed because of the team yeah. you're playing? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I, I, I can't deny that. Um, you know, our first home opener was last Sunday, and you know, it was it, they were they were yelling the entire game, and I challenged them too early in the week, um, which might be a little scary thing. I don't know if the uh, the police officers in in, in Buffalo were. Um, too excited about about me challenging Bills Mafia to to get a little more wild, but hey, I'm gonna do it again because you know first, second, third down they were they were really yelling, screaming because um, that's a huge weapon for us. So it, it's uh, you know um, in the outside world, in the outside world, it's it's Patriots Week, so they'll they'll bring a little more juice for sure. How do you challenge Bills Mafia to be ready for a home game like this? I don't even think I need to challenge them to be honest. Uh, I think that they'll be ready. They'll uh, uh, yeah, they'll be they'll be ready. I want to go into detail about what they do. I'm sure everyone's seen the videos and all that stuff. So, um, if Bill Mafia is listening to this, you guys will be ready. I understand that, but let's be safe out there. <laughs> safe, I like that. Safe and loud yeah. is what you want them to be, right? Exactly, safe and loud. Yes, safe and loud. Exactly. Now, your team is three and zero. Did you have an idea that this team would be able to get out to the start it has so far, Micah? Well, it was unique. Um, you know, we, we opened with our first two games on the road at the same stadium, which was, you know, something I've never been a part of. Um, but it was actually pretty cool going into the, the second week, you know, having the same hotel room, the same routine, all that stuff. Um, so that was that was pretty unique. We knew that coming in. It was going to be a um, a weird situation. We were able to get those, you know, first two. And then coming coming home for the uh, for week three, you know, against the Bengals, um, very good team, very good. You know, I guess their record doesn't indicate how, how you know, good they are. Uh, but we knew it was going to be a hard-fought game. So, um, I, you know, when the first, when the schedule first came out, did I say we were going to be 3-0? and um, No, I didn't guarantee it. But at the end of the day, I feel like, you know, whenever we play our best ball and our defense is playing well and our, our offense is putting points up and, you know, not, not turning the ball over and our special teams is playing fast with effort, um, anything can happen. We'll, we'll get – back in a moment to what has surprised you most about this team in the start but you brought up that same hotel the western jersey city and i yeah. stayed there for the monday night game the jets browns game did you have the same room like did they give you the same, same room, room. When you're, same room same exact room room 805 baby i was uh that was that was my room number um I had the same exact room i walked in i it, actually before we went to the hotel i asked them, hey we have the same hotel rooms and they said yeah we try to do that so i had the same hotel room all that stuff and uh, yeah, we knew you guys were coming in the next day. Um, <laughs> yeah. Friday, the Browns, you know, were coming in the next day. So it was like I said, it was a it was a weird situation going to the same hotel back to back. But yeah. um, it really, uh, really, it really helped us out. I think. So now, when you head into this season, what surprised you most about this team, the way it's played so far? Is there one thing that has jumped out that you weren't expecting that has helped lead to this three zero start that you're now on, Micah? Well, we knew back in OTAs, you know, the, the, the personnel that we had in the locker room. Um, yeah, I feel like the last two years, the f- first year I was here back in 2017, I feel like, you know, we had a talented football team. We made it to the playoffs. Um, some people say, you know, that it wasn't supposed to happen. You know, it is what it is. But, you know, we, we had a successful season. Um, last year we kind of took a step back. Yeah. You know, our record indicated that. But I think we were kind of getting, um, getting our wheels turning. I think that we kind of saw what we needed to do. Uh, you know, Sean preaches every single day in a team meeting about, you know, fundamentals and, and all that stuff. And so we were going out there and doing that, but we weren't as successful. So I think coming into this, you know, uh, this OTAs this year, you know, everyone felt more comfortable with the system that we were in. Um, 
And, you know, he brought in some some awesome free agents that are really helping us out right now. And so, you know, we, we felt like with the group of guys that we have in this locker room and the coaches, you know, surrounding us and, and doing all that, that, you know, honestly, week in and week out, anything can happen. And, you know, you're seeing that right now. Which of those free agents stands out to you? Oh, you know, you got to go with the, the guys on the offense with – um, Bees and, and John Brown, um, just what they what they've been able to do. You got you know Mitch Morris at center, that's you know kind of overseeing um, the offensive line and, and doing all that stuff. And then um, you know defensively, just speaking, you know, some we brought in somebody like Kevin Johnson that you know didn't I guess live up to his hype in in, in Houston that you know came here and really is is helping us out a lot. You know on the back end. Um, and so it's just, uh, you know, just the accusations that we were able to get this year have really helped us out. You got three Johnsons there in the secondary, right? Yeah. Jaquan Johnson, Kevin Johnson, Taryn Johnson. We do. It's funny you say that because, you know, we we give them all different nicknames. So you know, having, to, having to think of their, their last names kind of didn't come to me right away. <laughs> so, um, so what are their nicknames? Oh, uh, you got Quan. We call him Quan Queasy. We call Kev. We call him... Uh, Young Simba, Ke- there's a whole a whole bunch of different stuff, um, and then uh, Taryn, Tarana John. We, you know, this is a whole bunch of different nicknames we give each other. We're around each other, you know, every day for eight, nine, ten hours. So, uh, you know, you tend to uh, become like brothers. I, I would imagine there's not a secondary in the league with three Johnsons back there. But listen, you guys have a great secondary that I don't think a lot of people realize is as strong as it is with you. Jordan Poyer and Tredavious White and the Johnsons. Yep. What, yep. You know, what, I, I, you, what's, what makes this secondary stand out to you? Uh, well, I think that um, at the end of the day, we, you know, with the likes of myself and, and Poyer, you know, we've been in different um, systems. You know, we've been on different teams. You know, we, we felt like we were kind of overlooked. Um, you know, both teams let us walk. Um, so when we came here to Buffalo, we kind of made a promise to each other: let's give it our all, let's do what we can, you know, let's see what we can do for this community, for this team, for this organization. Um, so that's kind of our situation. Tredavious felt like, you know, yeah, he went first round, but he set a chip on his shoulder. He felt like he should have went higher. Um, he's not getting the recognition that he feels like he deserves, um, and we feel like he deserves. Um, and then somebody like Levi Wallace, um, you know, undrafted guy coming out of Alabama, um, played a lot of big time football in his day. And, you know, he's coming here, he's really stepping up for us. And then you got the Johnsons um, that, you know, I just mentioned Kev, you know, coming from Houston, um, Taryn coming from a small school out of, out of college. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of guys on this on this back end that kind of have this, a chip on their shoulder. And, you know, you throw in the coaches um, that have been fired in previous, you know, previous staffs um, that are, you know, trying to do everything they can do to, to make this thing work and, you know, they're giving us the details in and out each and every week of what the offense, the receivers, what they might do against us. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of that's, that's going on that's firing us, that's motivating us, and at the end of the day, we all want to work together to see, you know, where we can take this thing. Last thing I'll leave you with, Micah, do you feel a little bit overlooked in the sense that, you know, you go to Iowa, you're named the DB of the year in the Big Ten in 2012, your first team all Big Ten is a senior in 2012, yet somehow you go in the fifth round of the 2013 draft, you leave Green Bay, go to Buffalo, and you managed to make it to the Pro Bowl in 2017. Why is it that people have overlooked you at various points of your career only to have you respond in the way you have? You know, Adam, I'm not I'm not too sure, man. I, that's uh, something I can't really answer. Um, like I said, I have my own personal motivations that, that have 
know, got me where I am today. So I'm going to continue to uh, strive and do whatever I can to help this team win. Um, at the end of the day, it's not about me uh, in this in this secondary and whatever. You know, we're trying to win ball games. Um, that's our only goal here in Buffalo. And you know, Buffalo gets overlooked just like I've gotten overlooked my whole life. So um, you know, it's all good. We're going to continue to work, continue to see what we can do, and, and like I said, our next opportunity is Sunday. Be safe, Micah. Be safe and be productive. I appreciate you taking the time today. It was a pleasure speaking with you, and perhaps we'll bump into each other at the uh, Western in Jersey City some other time. <laughs> Sounds good, buddy. We'll talk to you later. There's the Buffalo Bills Pro Bowl safety, Micah High. Before we get to the former Dolphins and Jets general manager, Mike Tannenbaum, first a word from ButcherBox. After hearing me talk about ButcherBox for months, if you haven't taken advantage of its amazing offers, you need to listen up. Every month, ButcherBox delivers humanely raised 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught Alaskan salmon directly to your door. Choose from four curated boxes or customize your own box with all of your favorite cuts. And with free shipping, ButcherBox makes getting high-quality meat with no added hormones or antibiotics easier than ever. ButcherBox has a ton of awesome recipes and resources on its website that will help you bring out all the flavor of each cut of meat you get from ButcherBox. And this month, ButcherBox is offering new members $20 off your first box plus free ground beef for the life of your subscription when you sign up at ButcherBox.com slash Schefter. That's right. In addition to all the great meat you get, ButcherBox is knocking $20 off your first box and throwing in two pounds of free ground beef in every box for the life of your subscription when you sign up at ButcherBox.com slash Schefter. ButcherBox.com slash Schefter. Uh, joining us now, the former general manager for the Miami Dolphins, the New York Jets, now an ESPN analyst, Mike Tannenbaum and Mike, I reached out to you. I figured there were so many general manager issues going on in the league, so many front office quandaries that I wanted to just bounce some of them off you to see where you thought they might be headed. And I guess we'll start first and foremost with Antonio Brown. Do you think there will be a team this year or even next season that gives this guy a chance again? Absolutely. And from a GM's standpoint, first of all, I don't want to minimize some of the alleged behavior here because it's horrible, it's reprehensible, and maybe criminal. Um, but from a GM's perspective, Adam, while that is all getting cleared up, I would think most GMs right now are behind the scenes doing their homework to see if and when he may be eligible. Hopefully he's getting the help that he needs. Hopefully he's getting the counseling. And our jobs are to look three months out, six months out. They're always preparing for the future, and they have a short list of players not only for this year, but they're developing players for subsequent seasons that may be on their practice squad or on injured reserve. And this is just an example of that. So you're kicking the tires to make sure that if and when he's eligible, that you're on his radar. And again, that doesn't mean you're condoning his behavior, but you have to be prepared that if you're going down the stretch here, Adam, and you're a team that may qualify for the playoffs mm-hmm. and you can get arguably one of the best receivers in the game, you have a responsibility to exhaust all avenues and make sure that you've done your homework on the player. So when Drew Rosenhaus says last week, which raised some skepticism, that he's been in contact with some teams, whether they called him or he called them, you believe that those conversations have occurred and are occurring? 100%. Uh, if, if the status of a player is a free agent, which Antonio Brown is, you are exhausting literally all avenues to improve your team. And you, know, you may investigate 10 of them and not feel comfortable on nine of them. I remember when players like Plaxico Burris were either incarcerated. Um, 
just monitoring his situation. Just again, you know, good people make mistakes. And once they've served their time and they become eligible, it presents opportunities. And when you're running a team, Adam, there's limited ways to improve your team. You have a limited amount of cap space. You have a limited amount of draft capital and you have to think creatively and opportunistically. And there's a lot of noise around Antonio Brown today and tomorrow, but two months from now, three months from now, it could be a tremendous opportunity to make the difference between a team complete uh, competing for a championship or not. So you are of the mind that we have not seen the last of Antonio Brown in the NFL, despite the fact that he said he's not going to play again, and despite the fact that he's under investigation right now with the NFL. Yeah. Based on my experience, if he gets the help that he needs, he serves a suspension. I believe he will play again. No, those are two big ifs, but Drew Rosenhaus is an effective agent. Antonio Brown hopefully will come around to the fact that he needs help. Some of his behavior has obviously been, could be criminal. It's also been self-destructive, and, uh, but we have seen people benefit from counseling and, and go on and, and have very productive careers. Maybe the most noteworthy example was Chris Carter, who had a very well-documented problem and went on to have a Hall of Fame career after he got cut by the Philadelphia Eagles. So uh, I'm not saying it's to that degree, but that is an example of someone that turned their career around and, and candidly turned their life around. Next front office quandary is in Jacksonville, where Jalen Ramsey has the flu this week. That's what he's told the team. The team wants to keep him. He's determined not to play there. He wants to be traded. The team doesn't want to trade him. So whether it's the flu this week or whether it's a hamstring or back issue next week or whatever it is that afflicts Jalen Ramsey and prevents him from practicing and playing, how would you see a situation like this shaking out in the end where these two sides are determined to get their own way? Yeah, this is one where you you have to solve the problem if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars. We all saw what happened with the sideline blow up a couple weeks ago, Adam. What's really important is to figure out why it happened. And there's two different issues here. One is economics, and candidly, that's why you have an agent in a front office. I think if reasonable people want to get a deal done, you could get in a room and figure out that, let's face it, Jalen Ramsey should be the highest paid core in the league and work on a structure that's fair and, and get it done. But more importantly, in my opinion, Adam, I would figure out what the non-economic issues are and then stand shoulder to shoulder with him and figure out how do we solve these problems because we want him to be fulfilled, we want him to be productive, and we want him to be happy. And I would work really, really hard to figure out what those issues are and then solve them. What if he's just sick of being a Jacksonville Jaguar and wants out and doesn't want to hear what you have to say to him? Um, I wouldn't take no the first, second, or third time. It's really critical. Left tackles, corners, and quarterbacks, you can't have enough of them. They're impossible to find. Uh, And you owe it to your franchise to do everything within reason to solve the problem. Got a guess for how that one will turn out. Uh, well, if I was Jacksonville, I have thought about this, Adam. I would do everything I could to run out the clock to the trade uh, trade deadline, and then he has to be a Jaguar. Um, but I do think Jalen Ramsey also has a responsibility to his franchise and to his teammates. And they're a team that may have hit on Garner Minshew. They're very much alive in this young 2019 season, and he has a responsibility to compete with his teammates each and every week as well. We've got a couple of holdouts that are ongoing, at least at the time of this taping. Melvin Gordon with the Chargers, Trent Williams with the Redskins. From a front office perspective, when there has not been any movement, when Melvin Gordon is not happy with an offer, when Trent Williams is not happy with an organization, two different situations, what is it like from a front office perspective to just sit there and watch as your guy stays out of camp? 
Well, first of all, I take it very personally that I, I let the team and the franchise down because I get paid to solve problems, not create them. So when that happens, I really feel that I didn't hold up my end of the bargain as it relates to giving our franchise every opportunity to win. So again, I'm going to work hard to solve the problem. I think what's really interesting, candidly, on Melvin Gordon is when he comes back, what happens to his fines? Because literally, he has accrued hundreds of thousands of dollars of fines. And I've asked around to a lot of my peers in the league, most teams will forgive fines. Let's keep an eye on the Charger situation. When Melvin Gordon returns, will they forgive the fines? And that will be a very significant piece of the story because if they don't, Melvin Gordon will be playing virtually for nothing this year. And I think that's something that we got to keep a really close eye on. As it relates to Trent Williams, this could be similar Before we get to Trent Williams, if you say that they don't, if they don't, let's just look hypothetically at this, Mike, and Melvin Gordon comes back and has to pay all this money in fines, my guess is he's not going to play. My guess is he's going to find something wrong, whether it's his hamstring, his back, his shoulder, whatever it may be, because it's going to be very hard to go out there and put your body on a line for a team that is basically making you play for free. Well, the inverse is if you don't find them, then you're saying that sitting out all of training camp and these number X number of regular season games is okay. So um, both sides have their points, but – and maybe you reduce them, you know, again, there's probably a way to solve it, but I can't imagine at this point that the Chargers are going to let them come back and just they're going to indiscriminately waive their fines. That's just not the history of that franchise. And I'm not opining whether or not that's right or wrong. I'm just saying, as a matter of course, typically they don't waive fines, and it'll be interesting to see uh, how that gets resolved. And as it relates to Trent Williams, I think we could go back to Carson Palmer, where that relationship got so sour that eventually he had to move on from Cincinnati seems like there's a trust factor with Trent Williams. And again, you know, watching the game as of this recording from last night, Washington's struggling in pass protection. Trent Williams is one of the best, if not the best, left tackle in pro football. We saw the value of what Laramie Tunsil brought the Miami Dolphins in the trade with the Houston Texans. I think they could get a significant, significant compensation if they went down that road. But again, I would work hard to see if I could repair that relationship. It doesn't seem like they're able to repair it, though. And if Laramie Tunsil went for a two ones and a two, a Trent Williams is probably a better tackle. Older, a little more tread on the tire, but has a more productive career, correct? I think that's all fair. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if a team that's in the playoff hunt that needs a left tackle makes an incredible offer to Washington. And again, I think Washington's in a tough spot here, Adam, candidly, because you don't want to set the precedent of letting a team letting a player kick and scream themselves out of a team. So I think if I'm Washington, I got to tread very, very carefully. And the only way I'm making this trade is if I get a monster premium. And if I do, I could then turn around to the locker room and say, no one else is kicking and screaming their way out of here because we made this trade because of the significant premium that we got. And the last thing I want to ask you about before we let you go, Mike, and I thank you for your time, is the Miami Dolphins. Last year, you were part of that organization. This year, we've watched what has gone on there. I guess my first question is, does that surprise you to see what has unfolded in Miami this year? And does it hurt you personally to see some of the work that you assembled basically deconstructed? Boy, those are good questions. I would say, I think, you know, starting with the owner, Steve Ross, I think it was important to him to have a long-term plan to uh, eventually get a, a quarterback. I don't think that's any secret that, uh, you know, that's what they're doing. And they've done a nice job of, uh, you know, accumulating capital for the future. 
albeit it may hurt them short term, I think they're really focused on the long term, and they've obviously done a good job of creating you know an incredible draft hall. You know, as it for me on a personal level, I'm, I'm about people, and I feel incredibly fortunate to have worked with so many people and help them either in the front office get ahead to where they want to go and, and countless players. And I still root for a ton of players each and every week and coaches. Some are still in Miami and some are sprinkled around the league. And I think when you leave a team, uh, in one way you, you leave them, but emotionally the contact and the relationship I still have, there's tons of players and coaches and people in front offices all around the league that I root for every week. Hard to watch them on Sunday, though, with them losing the way they are? Uh, well, I would say, yeah, you know, Yes, you know, to a certain extent, because, you know, there's a lot of blood, sweat and tears and sacrifice that you put in. Um, But what's interesting, Adam, is the roster turns over so much. Like, I don't have a connection to Josh Rosen or, you know, some of the coaches that are are new. So it it doesn't necessarily feel the same. um, But I still have plenty of friends there and friends around the league. And, you know, it still hurts when they lose. So, um, again, it's really about the people and the relationships. You know what's good about your current situation at ESPN, getting to watch Jalen Ramsey, Antonio Brown, Melvin Gordon, Trent Williams, the Miami Dolphins? You don't have to stay up at night and wonder and worry about these issues. There's somebody else's problems now. You, you know, and I would add to it this. I think you need to have your head examined if you ever want to be a GM. Because somebody was asking me about, you know, what, what do you think Dave Gellman was thinking Sunday night after Daniel Jones played so well after withering criticism? And I said, you know, he probably enjoyed it for, I would think, 10 or 15 minutes because his mind went to Saquon Barkley's MRI and second opinions and short list of running backs. So, you know, just when you feel vindicated for making this transformational decision about the quarterback position, the next issue is 10 minutes away. So um, there's no rest for the weary, but, you know, Dave Gellman deserves a tip of the cap because it certainly looks like he got that one right. But there's rest for Mike Tannenbaum now that he doesn't have to worry about these things. <laughs> well, you know, it's been a thrill. And I'm not just saying this, but to sit in that green room on Sundays in Bristol is uh, a very special place to be. And there's just great football minds. You know, I, I sit between Rex Ryan and John Fox. I overhear Tim Hasselbeck and Ryan Clark and Lewis Riddick and yourself and hear Matt Berry talk about more fantasy in three hours than I probably have in my whole life. But um, I've learned a ton. And it's been very invigorating because uh, you sit there and you literally get to watch every game and every play, and that room is filled with great football minds. It's a fun room, isn't it? It's As I said to you many times, it's the dessert that comes along after you finish the dinner and the main meal all week long. Yeah, no, that that is well said. And, uh, yeah, I do sleep better on Sunday nights. There's no doubt. I've not lost a game since I've been at ESPN. And congratulations on that, Mike. And I appreciate taking the time today. Thank you very much. We'll see you in the war room on Sunday. Not the green room, Mike, the war room. Thank you. There's ESPN analyst Mike Tannenbaum, who rests easier at nights now. Before we get to the ESPN analytics guru, Evan Kaplan, first a word from Vivid Seats. Football fans, my job is to report the latest news in the NFL. Speaking of which, recently received a tip. Vivid Seats is offering ESPN fans 10% off football tickets, but you have to act fast. Head to vividseats.com and enter promo code ESPN at checkout to receive 10% off your first order. Vivid Seats is the official ticket partner of ESPN, and with its 100% buyer guarantee, there's no reason to miss a game this year. Don't wait. This offer ends soon. So head to vividseats.com, get off the couch, and get into the action. Your team needs you. Cap hit. And as we get ready for week four, we welcome back in my friend, my colleague, the ESPN Stats and analytics guru, Evan Kaplan. Evan, a big week ahead. 
It really is, Adam. Uh, we, we've seen some some interesting trends start to develop over the first three weeks of the season, and now we've got some some interesting matchups in week four between some unbeaten teams. So we just had on the Bills Pro Bowl safety Micah Hyde, and we've got a matchup of the Bills and Patriots, two of the aforementioned 3-0 and teams that you're referring to. What do you make of this matchup, Evan? Well, look, the Bills have been in this spot before with a home game early in the season. They've played well or earlier in the season, not been 3-0 and before, but they've had some hype coming into these games, and they haven't been able to deliver recently. They've lost seven straight at home <laughs> against the Patriots. The, the previous two years, they didn't even manage to score a touchdown. This might be a little different. They 3-0, and the first time you'll have a divisional game between two teams 3-0 and or better since back in 2004 between the Jets and the Patriots. So, and you look at the the Patriots defense, Adam, it's been remarkable. They haven't allowed a passing or rushing touchdown through three games this year. Wow. Think about that, right? It's no touchdowns. No, 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 no rushing or passing touchdowns allowed by the defense. The Jets obviously scored on defense, but that's a little different thing. And you look at, we talk about Bill Belichick, and it seems like there's a different note every week to put in perspective his dominance against the entire league. Mm-hmm. He has 10 wins as a head coach against teams that were 3-0 and or better in a season. That's twice as many as any other head coach in the Super Bowl era. So this is a tough spot for the Bills, but look, a huge game. AFC East kind of early season, you don't want to say supremacy because the Patriots are one yeah. and then it's everybody else. But I'm interested to see if, if one, the Bills can keep it close and if they have a chance to win down the stretch in Buffalo. See, I actually think it's a tough spot for New England. Okay. And... I know most people don't think like that, and it's almost never a tough spot for New England, but I see a team that has a banged-up offensive line, that has a banged-up crew of wide receivers, that has some injuries across the board, and the defense is carrying this team right now. As good as the offense is and Mm -hmm. has been and always will be, it's the defense that has made this team, and Buffalo's defense is tough and tenacious, and can you just imagine what the atmosphere is going to be like Oh, it's going to be wild. It's going to be great, and and that this is what this is what makes every week in the league important and special. That you're not just waiting for the games in November and December, and then obviously into January in the playoffs. We will be in late September, but in Buffalo, it is going to sound like the AFC Championship. Yeah, on I, I would make the argument, and I don't know the exact time frame, but this is probably the most anticipated regular season game in recent years. Absolutely. Like they, they play that Monday night game against Dallas. I don't know why that jumps out to my mind yep, right now. That's a good one. That one stands out. And any time they play the Patriots, you know that Buffalo is going to be fired up. But, again, we're four weeks into the season. Both teams are unbeaten. They're in Buffalo. The Patriots, as great as they are, and they're great, are actually a little bit vulnerable now, I yep. think. Maybe I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. And Buffalo's got as good of opportunity to – beat the Patriots with Tom Brady as it maybe has ever had before. And they've faded some of these recent home games against the Patriots, like the Super Bowl, when they were 4-3, and three, or they were 2-1. and one. Yeah. Now they're 3-0. and oh. They've got not lost yet this year. It's going to be a great scene up in Buffalo on Sunday. Well, there you go. And we have another great matchup on Sunday, Evan, and this is a game that also matches two unbeaten teams, a game that I am really looking forward to seeing. People wouldn't have thought that the Lions would be unbeaten, mm-hmm. and they do have a tie, but they are, and here they go. Yep. They get Patrick Mahomes on the road in Detroit, which also should be rocking with the Lions coming off uh, a big win on Sunday. What do we make of this matchup? 
Yeah, so Patrick Mahomes is, hasn't stopped from his MVP campaign last year. He's got 10 touchdown passes in three games this season. And you look at him on the road, his numbers career-wise on the road, much better than at home. You look at his last 10 road games, so that's the eight road games last year, the two so far this year. He has 38 touchdown passes in those 10 road games. That's almost that's, that's, that's almost it. an average of four touchdowns per game uh, over a 10-game span, which is absolutely ridiculous. And this is kind of a fun note. This will be Patrick Mahomes' first ever game indoors in the NFL in a dome stadium. You look at him in college. He played four games in a dome. He only averaged, Adam, only 492 passing yards per game with 19 touchdowns in four games in domes in college. Now, look, obviously we know it's different defenses, Big 12 defenses, but kind of a fun little note as we look ahead and you talk about the Lions, certainly a surprise. Wait, wait, hold on, Evan. Yeah. Before we get to the Lions, yep. did, you, did you say, did I hear you correctly, Patrick Mahomes has not played an NFL game in a dome before? That's correct. This will be his first indoor game uh, in a dome stadium. So you look at, wow. he's played on the road 10 times since the start of last year, then the one game in Denver at the end of the 2017 season, his rookie year. So this will be his first time ever playing in a dome. We'll see what he has in store for that Lions defense. And, and like you said, the Lions, a bit of a surprise. The a- NFC North, the only division in the NFL with every team having a winning record right now. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's a pretty good division. It yeah, is. That's... It is. And, and I think, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with this game on Sunday. I don't think, I don't think it will be as easy for Mahomes as it has been. That guy, that is something to watch him. I yeah. Mean, he just makes it look so, I don't say easy, but. God, he does make it look easy. He does, and and it's how they start the games, too. He's got eight of his ten touchdown passes in the first half this season. It's almost like the games are almost over at halftime. Uh, how how dominant they are just right out of the gate. They don't take any time to just get going. And then if they're scoring early, they're getting the lead, they're unleashing, unleashing their pass rush, and that's the key to that defense. Exactly. That defense can't be playing the other way around. So uh, the, the team is built to play that way. It mm-hmm. is going that way, and... Uh, that should be a great matchup on Sunday. All right, another interesting, intriguing matchup is a matchup of AFC North teams, the Cleveland Browns versus the Baltimore Ravens. And if we had said at the beginning of the year that in week four, this matchup will have one quarterback who's thriving and mm-hmm. one quarterback who's struggling, uh, we would have been pretty certain that Baker would have been the guy thriving and Lamar would have been the quarterback struggling. And here we are. Lamar Jackson's one of the great young stories of this season. And Baker Mayfield... And the Cleveland Browns look vulnerable Mm -hmm. like they always have. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Adam, and and I agree completely. And you look at their numbers. So Baker Mayfield, first overall pick in 2018. Lamar Jackson was the last QB selected in the first round in that year. And and their numbers have really just reversed from last year. Baker's completion percentage down, QBR down, touchdown-interception ratio down. Lamar's the complete opposite direction. Everything is up across the board for him. And you look at this game early in the season – but we don't want to overstate it. If the Ravens win this game, they're too clear of everyone in that division. They would be three and one. The uh, Browns would be one and three, and then the two teams playing on Monday night. So you look at this game, and and with all we talked about with the Browns in the off season, and and it's big been one of the big topic topics of this week so far. Oof, this feels like one. If they don't get this win, then and. It's like you said, though. It's more of the same in Cleveland, right? It's not. It, it's. It hasn't been different this. this yeah, year. and when you watch them, like there was so much hope and anticipation, and they just look like they can't get out of their own way. Mm-hmm. That's what it looks like to me. And they don't look all that different than other Cleveland Brown teams we've seen. 
No, I would agree. And and you look at their upcoming schedule after this game. They're in San Francisco, who is yet to lose, on a Monday night in Week 5. With the 49ers coming off a bye. Exactly. Home for Seattle, a playoff team from last year who's off to a 2-1 and one start in Week 6. Then they have a bye. Then they go to New England. So where are you finding those wins unless they really turn around their offense and start improving how they're playing? Otherwise, this, I mean... This could be a, a, a two and two and five. Uh, I don't want to say one and six, but uh, I don't know. It, it it's time I think to to turn it around for Cleveland, and, and it starts with a divisional game this week. Yeah, it's interesting. And the other really intriguing matchup of the weekend, Evan, is the one that comes Sunday night with Dak Prescott playing in his home state of Louisiana, with the Cowboys going up against a Saints team missing Drew Brees. What stands out about this game to you? Yeah, kind of interesting. So Dak grew up in, in northwest Louisiana. Actually, uh, his hometown was closer to Dallas than it was to New Orleans. Kind of an interesting little note. He grew up a Cowboys fan. Um, but first game in his home state. And now it, it it's a step up in class, I think, for the Cowboys. They, they're 3-0. and The offense has looked very impressive. But those wins are against the Giants, the Redskins, and the Dolphins. Those teams have a combined one win that's by the Giants last week. So you look at now facing a Saints team on the road. Sunday night. And remember last year, Adam, this was the game over when they played in Dallas where we started really talking about the Dallas defense being able to make a run. They shut down the Saints, who were on, I believe, a 10-game winning streak entering that game. It was a Thursday night game. They really shut down Drew Brees in that offense. And now, no Drew Brees, Teddy Bridgewater at the helm. An interesting game between two teams that, look, if, if the Saints can... Um, can kind of maintain a 500 or so record without Breeze, and then they get Breeze back. I think these are two teams that that we probably think are going to be there um, in January when you talk about the NFC. Yeah. Well, Evan, it should be another great week. I really appreciate you taking some time to join us again this week. Enjoy the Week 4 matchups. You too, Adam. Thanks. There's the ESPN analytics guru, Evan Kaplan. Thank you, Evan Kaplan. Thank you to Mike Tannenbaum, the former Dolphins and Jets general manager, for his perspective on some of the issues that front offices around the league are now facing. And special thanks to the Buffalo Bills Pro Bowl safety Micah Hyde, who's got a busy week ahead trying to get ready for Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. And thank you, the listener, to tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. And be sure to check out the Bill Barnwell podcast this week. Remember to subscribe to the Adam Schefter podcast and the Bill Barnwell show wherever you get your podcasts. Please join us again next week when we'll review week four and look ahead to week five. Have a great week, everybody.